Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Hello and welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. I'm your host, David Steinmetz. I'm really excited to kick off our second season of Changing the Perception. That last year was just a fantastic year connecting with professionals and leaders in the community who are making a difference from accessibility, transportation, diversity, equity, inclusion. And this year, we're going to continue on with more of that and new and special guests. You know, my, my show, Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, came about because I find that often people don't understand what the capabilities or abilities of people who are blind or visually impaired. And so they have a maybe a lower expectation of people who are blind or people with disabilities. As I'm talking to these individuals and explaining that, you know, I'm just like anybody else, I uh, put my pant legs on one leg at a time and get up and go to work and do the things that I need to do to support my family. And they often say, well, I don't know if I could ever really do that. They would look at all the, the negative things in life. And it really made me think about this is in a way that if you remember, you're old enough to remember the days when we took a selfie with an actual camera and uh, you had a roll of film in there, you took it out, you took it to um, the drugstore or to a, an actual photo shop. And if you paid extra money, you can get that picture back in an hour or it might take a couple of days. And when you uh, go to the store and pick them up, you would get the, the pictures back as well as the negatives. You know, I always looked at those and you look and you don't see the details. You don't see really any dimension in those negatives. And so it's really lacking what the picture or the image or the message that that picture is given. And so I choose to look at the pictures, the positive, the beauty in that, and live my life that way instead of looking at all the negative things, right? It could be we all experience some form of uh, tragedy, maybe, or, or trauma in our life, you know, maybe a life event or divorce, loss of a spouse or parent, uh, loss of job, whatever it may be. And we can find those negative aspects of our life and how we can't do something. And it's the journey of the process of converting that into a positive and living your life the best way that you can. And so this uh, show really gives me the opportunity to showcase the positives that people with disabilities uh, bring to the community, bring to the workplace, and how, just like anybody else, they, everybody wants to be able to be self-supported, uh, included in the community, included in work, and so forth. So that's how and why this show exists. I want to, uh, before we get into our conversation today, I'm really excited. I want to thank Arizona Industries for the Blind uh, for being our sponsor. And Arizona Industries for the Blind empowers people who are blind and visually impaired to achieve their version of the American dream by creating and sustaining employment in various different lines of business, uh, which allows the individual to be self-reliant, uh, make their own decisions, 
as and you know work basically like everybody else want to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. With that said, let's go ahead and kick off the show today. I'm very pleased to have in studio with me Dr. Wei Hu Curtis. She is the COO and co-founder of Support You. Dr. Curtis is a an executive leader in the contact center industry. Her career spans about 20 years in various industries, healthcare, finance, etc., leading call centers slash contact centers, leading teams across 65 countries. Dr. Curtis is an active speaker. She has published many articles in various trade magazines. She's the 20, there's a long list here, but uh, I'm going to, you know, just how well-known and respected she is in the, the industry. She's the 2022 recipient of the Globy Silver Award for Women-Owned Startup of the Year, Female Entrepreneur of the Year in the service business industry, and many, many more accomplishments. So thank you and welcome, uh, Dr. Curtis. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, David. I'm really excited about today. Fantastic. So will you, if you wouldn't mind kind of giving a little background about Support You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little over a year ago, um, I decided along with the business partner, Ron, um, to really have the opportunity to kind of create our own company. And I think more importantly, you know, as we, as we age, we want meaningful work. We want things with more purpose. And so this is a great opportunity for us to get together, create a um, business process outsourcing company where we really can kind of focus on providing employment opportunities for different groups of people. So being a female, being a minority, oftentimes I really was the only person um, that looked a little differently, right, at uh, the executive levels in corporate America. And so being really kind of hypersensitive in, in how people fit in or maybe don't fit in, right? Um, there's a lot of missed opportunities, incredibly talented people uh, with a great amount of skill set, just overlooked, overlooked in, in a variety of different verticals. And so being kind of like the recipient of, of the other end, I just thought, you know, I think this is a good chance for us to create a company that really kind of brings more awareness about disparities in the workforce. Be very purposeful in terms of creating a work environment that really kind of helps our underserved population, groups that are really kind of marginalized. So how do we how do we change that narrative? How do we provide them with really supportive employment and very purposeful employment to be able to kind of showcase their their capabilities, their growth, their development. And so that's really kind of what sprung support you in terms of, you know, really why we started the company. Right. I love that as a, a purposeful or part of your mission, right? Is purposeful, intentional um, hiring of underserved populations. That really attracted me to support you and the, and the things that you're doing. Um, I, I love that that it's not, right, uh, looking at how do we meet people where they are uh, and, and supporting them while providing a quality product and to, or delivering a quality service to a customer. Right, And Absolutely. how do we blend those things? That's, that's amazing. And, and I just really appreciate the things that um, your you and your organization are doing. And that really ties a lot of what we're going to talk about today our conversation surrounding like diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are, are looking at 
how do we how do we start or fill physicians and you know are we going to be intentional about doing this or are we just going to say that we do it and i think it, maybe you can answer it why is that important to you know to you or to an organization to uh, really be intentional in, in the programs that you develop yeah you know i think there was with hyper awareness within our own kind of markets right in terms of kind of diversity in the workplace it's a huge hot button right now and I think that organizations can take it up. It can be a checkbox. Yep, we do it. But really from the ground up, we, we really kind of looked at our overall population and really targeted the people that we wanted to work with. And that started with like creating kind of some of the fundamentals of our, of our company, right? So designing the technology stack, designing all the process and procedures, everything was really surrounded by the people within our organization. How do we best and easily onboard people, train people, get them into the job, have them be productive, and, and really have them feel successful and, and 100% supported in the workplace. And a lot of times, there are folks with different diversities, with different capabilities that have special needs that we need to be very cognizant of as we design our training programs. How do we best support people that don't necessarily kind of fit the normal mold? You know, I, I remember a tour that we took um, at AIB, David, and the operations was, you know, tremendous. Seeing people who are visually impaired really do some amazing things within the workplace. And so that really got me to thinking about as we build our organization, have clients coming on board, and just depending on the job, where could we fit in somebody with certain capabilities, mm -hmm. right? Um, that work really well hand in hand and to be able to kind of provide them with those opportunities. So I think it is important for people to kind of look at diversity and inclusion. And like I said, it's, it's going to run the gamut in terms of how you satisfy those requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just decided as a commitment to us and commitment to the communities that we live in, we're just going to do it from the ground up and be very purposeful and intentional with really kind of promoting um, and hiring for specifically for diversity and then leveraging that diversity of thought because we think there's, you know, a tremendous amount of ideas and skill sets out there that just, you know, really was untapped. Sure. And I, I think that's so true that as you're talking about it, maybe think that really diversity programs or DEI programs aren't a one size fit all. Right. There's no template or roadmap that says you do this, 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 and this because everybody's needs or experiences or backgrounds or abilities are different. Uh, I really like how you think about in terms of designing your processes um, or your technology around as many of those variables that that you can so that the employee can feel and be included in the organization. Sure, absolutely. You, you feel um, in terms of support you and in, in business process outsourcing, is that an, an advantage or what makes you different in, in a BPO environment than maybe some of your competitors? Wow, that's, that's a million dollar question, right, David? <laughs> you know, I, I gave this a lot of thought and, you know, I, we don't want to be kind of a cliche or like a marketing buzz term. And so, you know, giving us a lot of thought along the way. And I think really kind of the, the biggest fundamental difference is we've been afforded opportunities to design this company in a very different way. You know, what COVID has taught us is now kind of the, the swing of the pendulum, the employees have a lot of power. We've seen them 
walk off of jobs. We've seen them say enough's enough, right? And really kind of speak with action and their voices in terms of there has to be something that needs to change with corporate America, right? And so with that, um, we hear it loud and loud and clear, and we all have lives. We all have different circumstances. We all have different needs that we need to fulfill. And so I think the biggest differentiator for support you is really our ability to, number one, create a very different culture, a very different environment for employees that you've never seen in the industry. Because of that, it really transcends to people feel like they really belong to an industry. They trust what we do. We have full visibility across the board. It doesn't matter what position you're in. And so people feel like they're a part of something bigger and better. People know exactly how they play into the success of our organization. And we want to know. We want to know their thoughts and ideas because they, you know, the front lines have all the, they know what's going on, mm -hmm. right? right? And and more importantly, we actually listen and take their suggestions in place. We're not afraid of trying things and we're not afraid of failure. You know, I think those are great opportunities to learn. So we offer a very different environment for our employees because we value them so much because they really are what makes us successful. And, and we also believe that, you know, the more successful we are, that is shared within our employee base. So we have profit sharing and we have things like workforce management. It's always been like, it's full-time or nothing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We have platforms that allow people to go and pick their shifts and be able to break up their shifts. So then if they need for, to leave a couple hours for a doctor's appointment or they need to care for a parent or they have something they, they need to do, we're trying to really kind of design our, our workplace to kind of accommodate for those needs, right? Rather than constantly being punitive, constantly seeing people as, you know, commodities, you know, I, I'm not sure I agree with the current BPO model. And I think it's time for some disruption. Mm -hmm. And I think there definitely needs to be a change. And so I think by, by really fundamentally changing the model, mirroring that with our operational expertise, I think we offer clients um, a very different solution to where our folks really do care about our client's success. There's so much very impactful information in there and this conversation about bringing and, like we said, meeting people where they're at. And you, I hear a lot about people who have started their own business because the industry was, was broken, mm -hmm. that there were... Uh, maybe unfavorable expectations or perceptions of that industry, and knowing that as as an individual, as an entrepreneur, that there can be a different way to do this. There's a better way to do this, and I imagine that was some of the thoughts that you had as you know, being a leader in in, in the industry and executive uh, for over 20 years. You've um, sort of seen it all. Is kind of what helped you really drive you to start support you and, and with Ron and, and get the organization up and going in a in a way that satisfies you as as an individual, but also is looking at how do we bring other people up and along with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. I think the hardest piece of it is it's always it's really always easy to criticize an industry or criticize you know a certain company and stuff. And 
rather than kind of criticizing about it, you know, really kind of Ron and I sat down like, okay, how do we fundamentally change this? Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at call center operations, not much has changed over the 30 years, 30 plus years. The technology has changed tremendously, mm-hmm. right? And, but the call center operations itself hasn't really kept up with the rate of change of technology. So, so now how do we incrementally change it and do it better and think about it a little differently? So I think it's, I think it's a good time for us to really kind of reinvent ourselves. It's not anything hugely dramatic, but it's about taking the first step and really committing yourself to making those changes. Yeah, very true. Very true. And in this process, I imagine that, as you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, is that you yourself being a minority or underrepresented in in your industry or in your organization, how did that drive you to look at marginalized or under, underutilized uh, communities? Yeah, I would say there's there was kind of two points in my life. One, you know, always working in corporations as, as I did better and better and kind of continue to climb that corporate ladder, right? Being the, oftentimes being the only minority or oftentimes being the only female minority, it was tough, right? And And you just, I had to learn how to, play the game, how to maneuver around the politics of it. And so that really kind of heightened my awareness of people that I often took to help train and mentor. People kind of, you know, I gravitated towards people that were often minorities because they they never really got an opportunity to participate in projects, never was really taken seriously when they did have a seat at the table. And so, and, and oftentimes people would come and ask me to mentor them. And I'd often ask, well, you know, why? Why me? And there's a because other people don't understand what it means to be a minority or some of the challenges that we have to face, right? And so I think that was the first point. And the second point is, uh, quite a few years ago, we we adopted our daughter, Emma, from China. And she's albino. And part of the albinism is that she has low vision. And so being challenged with vision, my husband and I really kind of had to learn, how do we adapt her life to, you know, wanting to raise her as a normal kid, but really understanding how she has challenges herself. And, and so my husband found um, and got connected to AIB. And actually, he and I took a, a tour around your facilities. And it was amazing to see people with uh, varying degrees of visual impairment do a really good job in terms of um, their task and their abilities within that particular environment. And so it really got me thinking about, you know, how do we transition or how do we best support Emma, our daughter, who's nine now, into the workplace? You know, what types of things will she experience in terms of obstacles or prejudices um, that we can help her with, but really kind of the broader organization and and the, the broader scope of the population. So it really got me to kind of branch out and and figure out you know, what do I want support you to stand for? And I, I wanted to stand for being a platform to bring awareness to different diverse workforces. I want to be able to educate people that we put up barriers of employment to people who are very employable. We just have to be able to give them a chance and get committed to it. And then really in our own small world, just start to make a difference where we can. And thank you for that. And and thank you, you know, sitting across the table from you here. I totally understand the the challenges, right? Or the 
the obstacles and as your career advances or as my career advances and look at who's around me. And oftentimes when I'm seeking that out, it's, it may be someone else who's blind because they understand what those challenges that I've faced getting to where I am, plus what I need to do to continue on in my career. And so being the sometimes the odd person out in an organization can be difficult. And so I think the, the importance of having programs like uh, Arizona Industries for the Blind or having organizations like Support You that have these uh, philosophy or, or passion and mission to change those perceptions of what people are really capable of doing when given the opportunity and to, to grow and be the best person that they can be. And that contribution and those experiences that, that I've had help the organization overall in its mission to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the work that you guys are doing is, is fantastic. And, and I think a lot of times too, when we're also busy and there's so much in our heads. So we only have a certain amount of real estate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the easiest way to kind of see things is to kind of put up kind of labels, right? It's easy to label somebody as, oh, well, you know, it's it's too hard to employ people with disabilities because we'd have to do too much around it. Mm-hmm. And, and really t- taking the first step to putting down those barriers and really kind of learning and understanding truly what those challenges are or what are the advantages of, being able to hire people of different abilities. Yeah, totally. And I think also your past experiences, your family values, your right, your background help create your perception or imagine or, or thought process of what someone who's blind or um, someone with another disability or someone that has a different barrier, whether it's a past uh, incarceration education, single parent, whatever it is, right? In terms of having some some form of barrier to employment is that that, that you may look at that person and make an, an assessment or judgment based on what your thought was of XYZ. Fantastic. Support you, AIB, other uh, organizations uh, within the Ability One program that look at and say, we're not going to focus on the blindness. We're not going to focus on what that barrier was, but what we're going to do is provide a solution that enables you to do the job that you're hired to do while providing you know, the training and, and mentoring and so forth to help you go to the level that you want to go to. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that we can do. Like, I'm not here to solve the world, but I am mm-hmm. here, to, you know, in the peace of my community to be able to kind of make a difference. And I think we owe it, we owe it to these folks to be able to give them that chance mm-hmm. because sure. nobody would, would look at them twice. Going to your point of, you know, people who've been incarcerated. I've employed people in the past that have records and, and oftentimes um, those individuals are my best employees. Because all they wanted was an opportunity. They wanted a chance. And now they're growing. They're hungry for it. Um, and they're extremely loyal because you help open that door for them to be able to prove um, to themselves and to others what they can do in, in the workplace. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. And that really, we're talking from the, the employee side or the individual side, but from an organization 
where do you see the benefits from the organization uh, for implementing a diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility program for for them, whether it's their you know future growth uh, and so forth? Where do, where do you see the benefit for that organization? Yeah, I think you know I, I can only kind of speak for support you, but you know in terms of our organization, I often say that the the folks that work closest to the clients, the front lines they really have all kind of the answers, right? They they do the work day to day and they have a lot of given insights. But more importantly, I just think that when you when you hire a workforce that really kind of represents the communities that you live in, that in and of itself provides, you know, a great amount of information and perspective for our clients. So if they are in retail or they're in healthcare or regardless of what vertical they're in, Many of our employees have such varying types of perceptions in terms of what would resonate, right? So oftentimes, like, we take a very consultative kind of role within our clients. And when they're pushing out, like, marketing materials or they want to reach certain audiences and stuff, we get a lot of really good feedback from our own folks, which is, yeah, this that might resonate with this. But, you know, like in the Hispanic community, that wouldn't really mean much for us. or you know, so if they're wanting to branch out and really kind of touch a, a different base of consumers, I think our workforce really kind of represents a kind of a, a good kind of sampling of that. So I think a variety of different ideas, a different way of thinking about things that we never would have, you know, imagined. So I think the, the diversity of thought, innovation, creativity, I think all of those things really are a huge benefit to organizations when you hire people with diverse, you know, diverse backgrounds and abilities. I, I agree. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll hear, you know, my organization has a, a suggestion box or um, I've talked to my supervisor and they didn't, you know, I gave them some ideas and they don't listen. I think you mentioned, you know, listening is one of the, the key aspects, right? Because people are doing the work every day. And they understand what can help make the process better, deliver a better product to the to the customer. So, having the ability, I think, to from the leadership team is to to listen and and look at it. You know, we've done it this way all the time. This is the way we do it, or we've already thought about that, and it's not going to work because X, Y, Z, or whatever. But there's always maybe sometimes it seems like problems in listening to those, those frontline workers and looking at things from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I always challenge my group with is really kind of pushing the envelope. I love it when people are like, you know, we've tried that before and it hasn't worked. Well, you haven't tried it with us, mm-hmm. right? And so being able to kind of take really kind of a client situation and because sometimes they're so close to it, they don't see improvement opportunities or they've just been doing it for so long. And then when you interject our folks doing it for the first time or it's very brand new to us, we do see a lot of opportunities. And so this is where our folks are really, you know, very open to sharing their feedback because it, it may be a great idea that we'll implement right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be a great idea, but not the right timing. Mm-hmm. And so I think a, a huge part of it is really kind of the communication element. So we love hearing ideas, but we also have to make sure we come full circle of that communication just saying, hey, here are the ideas that we that were awesome and that we put in place. Um, here's some of the, these other ideas that were great. Keep them coming. 
Um, but we'll evaluate those, you know, in the, in the coming months. And so being able to really kind of now show the employees what their ideas and their efforts are, are getting them, right? Mm-hmm. And I often tell folks, it's like, you got to make the invisible visible mm-hmm. and just don't assume, right? right. They make suggestions. And then like, if you don't communicate it, then they think, well, nobody's really listening. They're, mm-hmm. just, they're just putting that suggestion box out there for me to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you're right. Communication is, is key and providing feedback. And we at AIB always try to look at it is, is why, right? Why, why are we doing it this way? Um, you know, we were talking with, with a potential customer and we were talking about the, the fulfillment process, for example. And you think, well, why do you do it that way? What, what is that really doing to um, the next step in the process and down, down the line? I had to really think about it. Why are, why are we adding another step or to the process? Is it really necessary? Is it just because that's what we did you know, 25 years ago? might not bring any value and can either reduce time, whatever it is. So I think asking the question, why are trying to find the, the solution of, instead of we can't, right? We can, we can do it by implementing whatever it is, uh, adding new technology when the time is right or, um, you know, as you continue to grow and expand. Absolutely. Yeah, just... I think that communication um, and looking through other people's lenses uh, oftentimes help us open our own eyes. I think what's going on around us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I love to do is just being on the floor or communicating with people or just, you know, having these sessions just to kind of chat. And, you know, oftentimes I love putting myself in their shoes, right? Because when we get so busy with things, the more we grow, the more the executive team kind of gets further and further removed. And I never want to be removed from it because really kind of the, the bulk of the work is on the front line. And so being able to put yourself in their shoes, creating an environment where they, they feel safe to be able to kind of share, share ideas and really kind of let people be themselves, right? Because that's the part of creativity and, and the uniquenesses of people. And I, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. People seem to have more fun that way. You know, you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you like your coworkers and you enjoy your environment, then you're more inclined to, to put in that much more effort and you're that much more loyal to the organization and to your fellow coworkers. And it also sounds like, you know, it builds trust in you uh, as an organization or as a leader. A lot, you know, myself, speak for myself, I think that is super important when I'm with an organization that I feel trusted or valued for the work that I'm doing that I'm being listened to and, and that inspires me to continue to strive to, whether it's improve a process or improve my productivity, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even just showing up to, to come to work that day is that people want to feel valued and, and appreciated, you know, being having that connection with your, your leadership or your supervisor, whatever levels within your organization to, to have that. And I think that peer-to-peer have that same trust or value or, or gain from that peer-to-peer, as you were kind of mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always, it's hard to, to keep your culture intact, right? I mean, there's a lot of organizations that were challenged with how do you, how do you keep your culture intact with having people work remotely from home? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we have the right answer, 
but we're we're definitely trying our hardest in terms of making sure people really continue to identify with our organizational culture and really kind of live up to our values that we expect our folks to live in, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to kind of work well, create a safe environment for people to to be themselves. And then more importantly, it's we also have to take a part of our jobs and saying, okay, what else can we do to give back to the community? And to be listened to, you know, to be able to kind of listen to people in terms of either, you know, partnering with another organization within the community, expanding our reach, or getting involved in terms of sponsoring events. You know, we're always listening to those things. And as we plan out our year or into the next year, how do we best kind of craft out that roadmap, right? That really kind of plays in well to our mission and what we're trying to do. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I, you know, I think all of it is incredibly fun and incredibly worthwhile. Oh, awesome. And, and to hear the passion in your voice and the excitement um, every time that we talk and just the, the overwhelming great feeling uh, that I get just from the things that you're doing uh, through our conversation. So uh, keep up the great work. You mentioned that uh, you and your husband came and took a tour of AIB and saw the work being done in our fulfillment center in Phoenix, as well as our document imaging uh, services. You were inspired or saw that there is a future for, you know, your daughter in terms of employment, right? She can do anything she wants to do because the right technology is there or will be there. Uh, and there's organizations that are working and growing their uh, diversity programs to include people with disabilities. What maybe attra- attracted you and, and want to do business, you know, with AIB? Yeah, I think, you know, AIB is serving as a, a great resource. When I think about clients and their programs and all the different positions that we need to um, to hire for, right? They're... There are certain positions that really kind of align well with people with vision impairment. And I'm not saying that we need to kind of alter any positions and stuff, but it's just a really good fit with certain skill sets. And so as an organization, we don't necessarily have the expertise in that. And so knowing that there's organizations like AIB to be able to really kind of help assist us in terms of, okay, so what does it take? If we want to establish this particular position and hire somebody um, with kind of vision impairment, what does that need to look like? And, you know, I think AIB definitely has that level of expertise, um, can absolutely help guide our organization and in the future be able to kind of, you know, help one another to be able to kind of source those positions. So the more outreach you can have, the more opportunities you create, um, it just, again, brings awareness into taking a typical job that you would never have thought that somebody with a vision impairment could do. and setting it up the right way, being able to support them and then let them be successful and let them continue to grow and and do whatever they feel like doing from that position. Sure. Right. It's looking at, like you said, looking at the the opportunity, right? Whatever that position you're looking to fill. And the first question is, how can we do it with someone with a visual impairment or somebody with another disability or someone from this community or that community, and how do we build a process or, or operations around that and helping people with the barriers to employment be successful by removing a lot of those roadblocks, whether it's accessibility to technology, 
our digital information and how do we how do we overcome that? How do we train someone to be able to, for example, if in a contact center is listen to a screen reader and engage with the citizen in the community that's calling in for information or, or whatever it may be is right. using that technology and training the person to develop the skills uh, necessary to be able to perform that function. Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting. So getting close to towards the end of our end of our show, but we talked about some of the benefits implementing diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility programs. Do you find or have you heard in, in all your travels and experiences that there may be some people that are reluctant. There's there's a reason why they wouldn't want to implement something. Why? Well, no, not necessarily. I think like like I said, there's more. Most programs are just varying degrees and varying sizes, and varying their kind of overall commitment. And when people think about DEI, you know, the things that you think of often, you know, are gender and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And we have to do a better job of really kind of expanding that definition, right? Mm -hmm. And and really looking at the alternative workforce in totality. And so I think we need to do a better job in terms of expanding that definition of DEI and being able to, like I said, just a lot of it's just kind of education awareness. People don't know what they don't know. And so we have to be able to kind of bring it to them in terms of all the opportunities and advantages of expanding that workforce, especially today when we're having problems hiring people. Yeah. Right? There's huge opportunities in that. And I think it, it takes time. Nobody's nobody's objecting to it. They just don't know where to start. Right. And they don't know to think of it. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I see a lot of uh, and read a lot of articles about the, the positives of the programs and and the, there's you know always the opposing that and I think oftentimes it is is really not knowing not knowing where to start or not knowing what questions to ask or not knowing where to look to see how do we tap into these different groups and how do we expand those opportunities and you know, like you mentioned the partnership between support you and AIB how do we Go out into the community and find you know nonprofit organizations that are serving these um, underutilized, underrepresented groups, and connecting with them. Maybe is there other advice that you can maybe give to you know, business leaders who are listening today on how maybe they can get started or where to, where to look? Yeah, I think you know I would say it's always great to kind of build out your network, and I've always been a huge advocate of really kind of connecting people, right? And the more you learn, the more you kind of branch out, the more advantages that you have. And so as business leaders, really, we have to be kind of open to non-traditional things. If we want to continue to be competitive in our space and be different, then we've got to be able to be willing to do our business differently. And so I think the first step really is trying to figure out, okay, what does that space look like and where do you want to play with it? And, and do some research. Because like I said, we don't have all the answers and they're, they're fascinating conversations to have with people, with business leaders, uh, much like yourself and other organizations around town to really kind of help educate yourself and then figuring out, well, then where does that play in your overall scheme of, of your business model? And how could that, um, how can you take advantage of that in terms of one, helping the community, but also helping your business? So it's just a matter of just getting started. 
I agree. Looking around your community, looking around your organization and seeing where can I benefit here are these stories of organizations trying to find talent. Nobody wants to work. And oftentimes that's really not the case. You know, among people with disabilities, seven out of 10 working age Americans uh, who are blind or have significant disabilities are unemployed. They want to work, but there's a lot of barriers. There's whether it's digital access, transportation, access to safe and reliable transportation gets you to work every day. And then we have this big perception of someone who's blind can't do XYZ job. And so how it's important for for business leaders to really look at reaching out into the community, looking at things from a different perspective and say, maybe I can, you know, there's this nonprofit organization in the community. They're serving these people. You know, AIB is a role model in the community. We, We connect with other fulfillment centers or just all kinds of different businesses and organizations to demonstrate that people who are blind can do accounts payable. People who are blind can work and be successful as a HR administrative assistant uh, at a front desk or be a CFO or whatever, you know, that, that role that you're trying to fill and filling it with somebody who has the experience, has the, the skill sets to be able to do the job and really find that out in the community. So it really sounds like, you know, take the first step and say, and be committed to it. It sounds like a lot of this comes from the passion with you, within Ron, from understanding your own past experiences and understanding what the industry is and, and where it can go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially in contact center industries, nobody went to school to work in a call center, right? Nobody right. ever majored in it and purposely wanted to work in a call center. And I, I think kind of the image of call centers is it's a horrible place to work. You know, nobody wants to stay there. Nobody sees themselves with a career in call centers. And we want to be able to change that perception because being in call centers for so many years, you know, I, I've made a, a great career out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely grateful in the fact that it's afforded me to help raise my five kids and my family. And so being able to kind of take that one step further and 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 using that now as a, a really kind of a, a benefit or a contributor to bettering the communities that we live in and to the people around us and really kind of breaking down those, those barriers to employment and really showcasing all the success stories. Mm-hmm. You know, those are incredible people who, you know, are just, are just given a chance mm-hmm. and then supported with the right mentoring or the right development. Mm-hmm. They, you know, sky's the limit in terms of where they want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you uh, being here today. We're getting uh, toward the end of our show. Uh, If our listeners want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways. Um, Our website, supportyousolutions.com, or else I'm on LinkedIn and uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, My email is pretty simple. It's way, H-U-I, at supportyousolutions.com. Perfect. Thank you very much, Way. And Thank you for this conversation today. I appreciate everything that uh, you and Ron are doing uh, in the community and across the nation, really across the world, and really focusing your organization and your mission on serving uh, those who have barriers to employment. And it really goes to prove that with the right training, the right technology, and the right attitude, people who are blind or have disabilities can and do 
compete and are successful in the workplace. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. This is a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time on your favorite podcast platform and tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 1 p.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity.